really accept that we're human and by humans, by being humans, we fail and to be kind towards our own and others, fa others failures or mistakes and errors, which we all make and to give some room for kindness. Welcome everyone. Welcome to my podcast, Sex and Art. In this podcast, I'll combine my passion for art and sex with my passion for very interesting people. In every episode, you'll be allowed a peek into their world and we'll find out how they connect to art and sex. I'm your host, Zir Berlin, and now let's find out who's our guest today. Hi, Isabel. That's so nice that you join me with my podcast, Sex and Art. Welcome. Thank you, Masidi. It's really nice to meet you again. Um, I met you in Berlin and I remember you as a very high-spirited, crazy woman, party girl maybe. I remember nail polish. Mm -hmm. I love nail polish, yeah. I'm not a party girl, but I do love nail polish. Okay. Um, we met in a comedy class, but before we go into that, um, do our audience need something to know about you we haven't said yet? So where you're coming from, what you're doing, do you want to share something with the audience before we jump into our topic? Um, yeah, my late 20s, um, I live in Berlin. I'm working more or less happily. Uh, yeah. That sounds I'm good. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> more or less glad happily. to be um, that's, that's funny. Uh, I would like to talk about that a bit later. Um, we, I want to mention that it is really important for me that if there are questions you don't want to answer um, during the session, you just don't answer them. So this is really important. I created this podcast to um, make people get rid of all their funny feelings around sex and art, basically. There's a lot of fear and shame going on and, um, and pain mm -hmm. and ideas, what art is, what sex is and how we have to be. And I want with this um, podcast to help normalizing who we are and, and what kind of trouble we're in sometimes. And sometimes we just have very clever solutions. And that's why I invited you. Thank you, sounds fantastic. Sounds very important. It is. It is to me. You need it. Very mm -hmm. important to me. So we met in a comedy workshop and um, yeah, there, there, I just remember that you were talking about the nail polish in your fridge all the time. Yeah, because we had to draw on our, what was our, what's going on in our lives, right? What do you observe? Yeah. And every time I open my fridge, I have, I still have yeah. a little box of about 15 different nail polishes, uh, different colors, very similar colors. <laughs> I keep buying them. And they're like, this is basically the same color. Why did I buy another one? I think at um, some point I got a, I got a picture um, from your fridge with all the nail polish in. I heard that's the best place to store it, to make, to make them last. So that's, that's what I'm doing. And then the rest of the fridge used to be very empty. 
because I would never be buying anything but just nail polish. Yeah. So my preconception of a girl who's crazy about nail polish is, as you said, you're not a party girl. And I said, oh, that that's someone who likes to go out, um, is mm. a very happy person, likes to look good and, and play with different appearances. Um, and then there was something more to you. I, we found out in our comedy class. Do you want to talk about that? Sure. Um, yeah, so at the time I took the class, uh, which was, I think, three, two years ago, something like that. Um, I had just was about to have the first anniversary of my diagnosis of being HIV positive. Mm. So I was still um, digesting that a little bit. So that was part of my daily life too. So um, yeah, and being HIV positive carries a lot of, you know, there's a lot of weight that um, the diagnosis carries other than maybe diabetes or let's say hairy feet I don't know yeah <laughs> so, there's a lot of baggage that comes with that um, and uh, part uh, part uh, of how I was dealing with all of it um, was through humor so then I thought well if I'm going to be making jokes about it let me put it into a more professional um, setting and then I took the comedy class um, yeah and then brought that as my topic sort of my set to work Did on. You, so you took the comedy class as a measurement of dealing with it um, n no, um, I took the comedy class cause I thought, because my diagnosis made me think, okay, life's pretty short. Mm. Uh, I think it's important to know that, uh, in this day and age being, I have, um, the same life expectancy as, um, everyone else, uh, given, you know, depending on the <laughs> individual lifestyle, um, you can have healthy children if you want to and you can have unprotected unprotected sex with a partner if you inform them and if you are undetectable which means that if you take your medication regularly enough that it suppresses the virus in the blood so it's basically no longer detectable yeah so these are very important facts you need to know before you yes totally. put saying into context i learned it through you to be honest, mm -hmm. I grew up in the 80s. Actually, I don't want to commit that, um, mm -hmm. but I did. And there I remember all these horrible posters uh, on my way to school where, you know, people with HIV were depicted and it was just the threat. It was very dangerous. And um, I remember this is something one really, really needs to avoid. And it's, it's a, a deathly threat. And um, you know, then it's not in the media so much anymore and you live your life and then you go to a comedy class and someone explodes this information into like a humorous situation. I thought like there's a bomb going up and I wasn't sure whether you were serious really. Yeah, <laughs> I remember. Yeah. Um, what were you thinking? Because you didn't like, it was not like in your nose or you weren't discussing it before with any of us. So it was really like mm. well planned to... Um... It was a premeditated shock, yeah. But there's no other way. It's always a shock. There's no way to ease, you know, to, to ease people into it. But what happened was, I think the first two classes, so it was a couple of workshops, right, on weekends. Mm -hmm. So the first few classes, I was like, oh, I'm just going to check, you know, how it's going and how this all works. Because I've done no, no training or whatever in performing arts or anything you know something like being on stage um 
<clears throat> so I'm not so familiar with that scene and I thought let me see how it goes uh, and then I brought the nail polish material and, but in the back of my mind every time we were talking about generating jokes my mm. main focus was still dealing with the diagnosis so I thought let me just see how it goes before I whip this out and then I think on the like later on in the workshop I'd already written in my head or in my phone I'd written a bunch of different jokes or, or setups and punchlines and I was like okay let me just like bring it <laughs> so I told the class I think people were looking at me like are you joking we don't know what's going on so I think the first few I think it was Paul who was leading the class so the first few minutes people were just quiet and like I don't know what's going on but uh, it was funny to see that as soon as people sort of got over and then had also the update on information that I was fine I was not you know to be pitied or on my deathbed or anything um, people thought it was really funny so that was great. I thought it was really funny, which was, you know, I, my main main priority was to make myself laugh in a way. Yeah, sometimes it is also um, like the um, relaxation after a joke that it is not as bad as one thinks, right? Or that you you coping with it. Um, mm -hmm. I found it was very courageous uh, for you to do it like that. Um, how how did you manage to be so courageous in that situation? Hmm. I don't find it that courageous. I know people, I've done a few other things where I am more or less public um, with my status because I want to create awareness so that people are less afraid of the condition. They get tested and we have a chance to get rid of the virus, um, you know, in Germany and, and globally. I don't think it's that courageous. It always, it always is a bit um, nerve wracking and it takes effort. I find other things more courageous. Okay. It's like, it's part of me, like I might as you know, I can share it. I have to answer, usually I have to answer a bunch of questions and that takes some mental energy. Um, but I think if, you know, it's, it's in a way self-serving because I try to help create a society where people are more aware and yes. there's, you have to suffer less if you live with the condition. Yes, you have to be absolutely. less afraid of it if you get it. So that's my contribution. That's, and, and you're do so, doing so well with it. And this is why I really wanted to have you on the podcast because uh, I think this is so important. I watched a documentary you did um, about this topic also. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Um, <laughs> I did. Yeah, but I didn't make it. I was featured yeah, in it. Was you know, you were featured. the one who, who was the, um, the main character, you know, the one who answers all the questions, what we don't know about uh, HIV. Um, mm -hmm. And um, I found this really, also very courageous because I think it is it is an intimate uh, topic because in, in this world we think we need to be something we need to be in a certain way if it is in bed like while we have sex or while we do our daily job or while we're just being ourselves we need to be a certain way and um, to allow people to witness that one can date with HIV and that one doesn't die from it in the next five years anymore you say uh, you have a normal life expectancy you can have sex with a partner unprotected uh, with the right medication you can also have children and i learned that also the children's are protected with the right medication you take this is um this was news to me and i feel a bit ashamed that i didn't know before so i'm very very thankful that you shocked me in that comedy class 
don't be ashamed because I didn't know either. <laughs> I knew nothing. I was just telling that I'm part of an, uh, another campaign um, to create awareness around, um, it's called You Equals You. Mm-hmm. Um, Undetectable means untransmissible. Mm-hmm. So that's the sort of the slogan that they try to promote. And I took part in the campaign and I was telling the story. I didn't know what was the current up-to-date information on how HIV was treated or seen. It's now seen as a chronic condition. And um, so I didn't know. So I'm, I'm guessing I sometimes meet people who, who are more aware than I was prior to my diagnosis. Mm-hmm. I'm always very impressed. Um, but we luckily in some way we don't have that much um, you know, let's say the average population doesn't have that much exposure um, if you live in a Western country to a risk of HIV infection. So it's not something that we, you know, we're more worried maybe about getting run over by a car when we're cycling, especially yeah. in Berlin. <laughs> like, um, so, yeah, I wasn't very up to date, but it's, it's actually brilliant news. I don't understand why we were having, weren't having a global party as soon as they realized this. How can we, yes. as a, like as humanity, yes, totally. we figured out how to control, we can't heal, we can't get rid of HIV in the body, but we can control it. Um, As humanity, we control a virus that has killed millions already. Yeah. And then we don't throw a party and nobody knows about it. That's that's so bloody weird. Yes. so weird. (laughs) We should all be celebrating. Totally. I want to cheers to you. We don't have wine, but we have a glass of water. We have tea. (laughs) tea. And a smoothie. We just drink tea now because because of HIV. I'm so German. It's smoothies. You can see it in the documentary. I started drinking a lot more green smoothies. Mm. Um, And I I hate myself for it because it's such a hipster thing to do. But my immune system which was already good um, mm. after some years of, of treatment has gone even better after all my smoothies. So wow. it's smoothies and relaxing more. What is in there? Um, it's spinach. Uh, so I have frozen spinach and frozen kale. I throw in celery, a kiwi and a bit of cucumber. Okay. And maybe some lime. So it takes me maybe five minutes to make and I just drink it in the morning. And then this is a late morning because it's a Sunday. So, Pretty cool. Late smoothie. Not too bad. Um, uh, you will share with us uh, the links to the information you just gave about these organizations. And um, I really want to promote this party that we... <laughs> <laughs> maybe I should host a party. If no yes. one else is going to do it, maybe I should throw a party. Yeah, I since think I already look like that. a party girl. There's <laughs> a really reason, reason for that. Um, I mean, especially if you look at Corona, right? We, yes. we know, or I have a, when Corona broke out, I had a strong, um, it wasn't like a flashback, but it was, I've already heard there's people who are diagnosed with HIV nowadays have a very different experience living with the virus opposed to people who were diagnosed 20, 30 years ago. You know, they call them long-term survivors who maybe you've seen, they had to struggle with um, loads of their friends and partners dying they had to go through terrible side effects of the medication so these people have had a very different experience from what i i've had yeah they've suffered hugely um and quite a few of them are, are you know their lives have been completely dominated by the virus so i i can i can um so looking at how corona was is affecting society and the fear that was going around and the lack of knowledge it, i was thinking this must have been what it's like so i'm in my late 20s right so I was 
you know, tiny, tiny baby. Um, so this was what it must have been like back in the day. And it was very scary. And I could um, imagine that a lot of, lot of long-term survivors living with HIV are, you know, just the fear. And um, it was bringing back a lot of memories and it was scary. So, yeah, and um, we now know, again, like our generation or the younger generation can feel what it's like to be faced with the virus that you can't control. You don't know exactly how it works. Um, you know, it, it, and, and the fear of it drives people towards very odd behaviors. <laughs> Do you think that you cope with corona better because you're already familiar with a threat? I was definitely thinking, so Corona and HIV as viruses work very differently. They're very different viruses in their transmission and their effect. Um, but I was, um, when people were freaking out about a virus, I was like, I didn't think I would have to do with two. <laughs> you know, I'm already dealing yeah. with one. And then within the space of no more than three years, I have to deal with another virus that's turning my life upside down. So it was definitely, um, uh, yeah, I, 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 I I don't know if it makes me feel better about it, but I, I definitely have decided not to live in fear. So yeah. I try, I try, I'm careful. I do what needs to be done, but I, I'm like, I'm not going to be afraid. Yeah. I don't want to live being afraid. So yeah. that's yeah. really nice that you say that. I just, um, um, was commenting on a post where someone said one just doesn't need to be afraid and, uh, it's all a scam and we'll find out soon and everybody will wake up. Um, mm -hmm. this is find, um, really dangerous. Um, mm -hmm. it's nice listening to you, you saying basically the same words in a more maybe informed way, um, that fear is of course not a good medicine for whatever, um, you facing, um, but that one also can take measurements against it. Like you taking your mm -hmm. hundreds of pills. It's a lot, right? You take for HIV. Oh, I just take one. Oh, okay. The rest of it is just vitamins. I just take one pill a day. Okay, it just, yeah. I just remember from the video something that I thought like, oh, that's a lot. No, that's just, I hope they, uh, I don't remember what they showed, but it was definitely, it's one, I take one pill a day. Okay. Um, it used to be three, but now it's one, it's a bit larger, like sort of like, a, you know, when you take a cut liver oil or something, mm -hmm. so it's a bit larger. Um, and then I take just a lot of vitamins and vitamin okay. D because yeah. I just try to give my body as much goodness as I can while also eating cake. Yeah. So, um, but, but um, I forgot what I was going to say. Uh, I mean, there's even, uh, if you were talking about deniers, there's even people who are saying the same thing about HIV still, that it's really? a, a fabricated disease that doesn't, oh that I think they acknowledge that it exists, but they say that it's been fabricated by the West to damage and impact certain groups and, and uh, regions. Um, they also say, you know, there's lots of rumors in different countries about how it may be treated. Um, there's even, I had friends of friends uh, who I've told about the diagnosis who mentioned it or it came up, sent me links saying, well, if I go to some flippant island in Thailand, there will be, there's a healer there, some Western type clinic where you, I don't, I couldn't listen. I couldn't read it because I got really, really angry. So I just didn't it. Yeah. How does that make you feel? just very angry and it makes me also sad to think that these are people who have had a lot of access to education and um I just common sense man <laughs> if, if, if it was treatable you, you know bitch if you if it was treatable do you think i'd be sitting here like 
taking medication every day, making telling people about my status? Do you think there would be um, worldwide like organizations, yeah. uh, millions, billions of dollars spent on a virus that can be treated by some flipping herbs in Thailand? So I, uh, I, oh, I didn't know what to do with that. I don't know. I do uh, believe that complementary medicine is very, very important. And that's certainly there's no. What does that have mean? All the answers. Complementary medicine for the ones like me who don't know. Um, so that's um, let's say you can take um, herbal treatments, right? Certain mm -hmm. types of tea, like I drink a tea because I think it has maybe it's a calming effect. And I think with serious conditions, uh, because HIV is a serious condition, mm -hmm. uh, you should try to avoid it as best as you can. I don't wish it upon anybody. I don't try to make light of it. I'm saying you can live with it well, with the right support, with social social support, especially if you're in the right context, if you have access to medication, you can live very beautifully with it, more or less, um, depending always on your individual circumstance. But I'm not trying to say it's not to be taken seriously. Mm -hmm. All I'm saying is that in the West, or especially in Germany, if you are to be diagnosed with HIV, you can have a pretty good life. Um, but that does not unfortunately that is not the situation for everybody in the world um mm. hiv globally affects mostly young women and girls nowadays um just by the way that how it is transmitted how it interacts with poverty and social disadvantages and um, imbalances in power and um health system failures let's say may i interrupt you yeah <laughs> you sound pretty annoyed about the yeah. misinformation in this world? Um, well, so to go back, because I got, I got sidetracked, I was annoyed about the fact that there's someone who's been raised in a, with a good quality education yes. and who then belittles or denies or some off-the-cuff in a very well-intentioned way. So this yeah. acquaintance was in a very well-intentioned way. I think she wanted to be like, look, there's an alternative way to treat this. Um, but I thought it was so um, arrogant to take it in, in some way to be like, Oh, you know, if only more people knew about this Thai spa, wherever, where you can heal HIV. Mm -hmm. um, it seemed very arrogant and condescending and um, hurtful. What did you do with this seriously. anger and pain? Didn't do it. Didn't do anything. I just swallowed it right up. <laughs> I actually <laughs> talked about it. I had a I had a meeting or um, a session at work, and I did talk about it. And I was wow. just like. I'm going to be angry. So I just validate, like, I, I can be angry about it, but I did not, what I didn't do, and I don't know how to, um, was to have a conversation with that person. Yeah. Because at the time, or still, I would be, I don't know if I would just really get very personal and very aggressive. Mm. So yeah. I don't know if I can have a sensible conversation about it, unfortunately. Yeah, that's the interesting thing about anger, I think, um, that we can... Um, use it as energy to change something um we can also make it a very um painful weapon yeah yeah exactly and i i could not see it as a i couldn't see myself using it in a constructive conversation with that person um to yeah but it, um, and still confront someone um you know that's nothing one needs to do immediately if one mm -hmm. So aware, I mean, that's also, uh, I really want to compliment you on that decision to not destroy this person uh, in a way mm -hmm. with your words. Mm -hmm. um, because we tend to be dumb, all of us, every now and then, mm -hmm. and we're not aware of stuff. And it's so important that we speak out, that we open our little mouths and say, hey, that's not correct. That's not nice. That's 
actually pretty uninformed. Hmm. Yeah, I don't see that person. Very, so in day-to-day -day life, I don't yeah. see her. Uh, so it wasn't, you know, doing it over WhatsApp or whatever, that's not a, an appropriate way. And I wasn't going to give her a call about it. So I was like, well, if I would ever see her, I think I would be more able to convey what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So when, when you meet someone new and you tell them about it, what would you hope how they react? Well, I've had really brilliant experiences and I've had less brilliant experiences, but the, the, some of the best ones. So usually um, just for context, when I, um, I've been single uh, now for a year, um, haven't been dating much, but the time previously um, I went on a couple of dates and I just wanted to try out with people how I would communicate it at which point it also depends on what how I comfortable I feel with a person right so um, you really um, is there a vibe? learned how to do it like you you gave yourself a it, challenge to yeah yeah I was trial and error I was like I'm just gonna date like wow. the virus is not gonna go away I do want to have a life partner or partners or you know how it is so I was like, let me learn through trial and error how to do it. Um, so I did different things where I was, um, especially uh, with guys, I was like, oh, I'm not going to be that into them. So let me just try. Because there was no, it, it wasn't, I wasn't risking anything because I wasn't mm -hmm. interested them, in them as a partner. They may be super friendly and I like hanging out with them. It's like, let me just tell them and see how it goes. So I usually try to do it like I would talk about it with you. Um, I'll just talk about something like, oh, you know, there's been stuff going on in my life or, um, you know, there was a time that I wasn't so well. And then so I'll try to give them a little story about it. So it turns out I'm positive and uh, I give them the information about how it's, you know, how it is or isn't relevant to partnership or potential family. And then I've had guys where I've literally just said, oh, um, and also I'm HIV positive. And they're like, are you kidding? I'm like, no, no, I am. And they're like, okay. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> that was like the 10 second. Like, I think my record was like a two minute conversation about it where it was just like, yeah, if the person already is well informed, you know, yeah, that's the if key. they know how the virus, works, then it's just like, okay, well, either they can deal with it and they can say, Hey, um, this is something I'm comfortable with or mm -hmm. understandably they might say I'm not comfortable or they might retract for, Maybe they can't quite put their finger on it, but well, they don't want to admit that they're not comfortable either way. Yeah, you know? um, it tells you so. And I want to be with somebody who's okay with it or who's willing yeah. to engage with material and information. Personally, if I was the other person, if someone told me back a few years back that they were positive, I would not have been like, I have a lot of compassion in some ways because I would not, not have been <laughs> very excited. I'd be like, oh, <laughs> so. I completely understand that people. Yes, because we have pictures time. about that. Um, what we think, what happens. Do you remember your pictures? What what it meant if someone uh, was HIV positive? Oh, I didn't. I do no, I didn't because I didn't have an up to date. I definitely would have been. I, I definitely remember maybe two thousand six or seven. There was the case of a like a real story of a German guy who met a girl in Thailand. Now we're going back to Thailand for some reason. <laughs> Sorry, Thailand. Um, I have no complaints. Um, and she was a, a, I don't know if she was a sex worker, but she was positive. And they ended up dating and they moved to, like, this is a real couple, right? And um, they ended up moving back to Germany and being in a relationship. And this was at the time where it wasn't clear, like where 
the medication. It wasn't clear how infectious you are with or without the medication. Mm -hmm. And I remember reading, so they had newspaper articles, they even they wrote a book, they had a movie made about it. I think because of the what's so romantic or fascinating is in a way that I haven't watched it, to be fair, but I think the idea of it was that, oh, you love someone so much that you would risk, you know, part of love can or you know, can be physical intimacy yeah. that you would to some degree or other risk your um, physical health to be with that person, to be intimate with that person. I think there was something really romantic about it that people mm -hmm. loved mm -hmm. um, and also a bit of the thrill, the danger. Uh, I don't know what the current status is, but um, I remember seeing that and thinking, oh, I don't know if I would love, you know, I wonder, can I love somebody like that, that I would be like, okay, HIV positive, whatever, you know, prior to the big medical news of um, U equals U, where this wasn't clear. Um, yeah, and I was like, wow. And I think that's what the what made the story so captivating, is that mm -hmm. the power of love. <laughs> yeah, that's on, on the one hand, super nice. Yeah. On the other hand, if that could be avoided by just some proper information about the virus and how yeah. it you um you wouldn't need to you know speculate on the greatest love ever yeah exactly like nowadays if you were like um i think um you know people are like oh I'm, i'm you know if people said i'm positive and i'm undetectable they're like oh i'm gonna risk it it's like you're you're not risking anything there's nothing to risk like you wouldn't yeah. th there's no you know if there's over time if there's no virus in the blood or in the bodily fluids, you know, which are exchanged during sex, for example, there's no way to transmit it. So there isn't really a risk, if you know what yeah. I mean. But I think there's still that, it takes some time to get over that hurdle mentally and say, Absolutely. yeah, it's just, um, and it took me some time and it take, takes others some time, took my ex-boyfriend some time to sort of just really come to terms with it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's just, you know, it's just, um, I, I'm, you know, we're leaving out every other STI that there is. Uh, yes. you have to, you have to take care of them, but let's say there's no other SDIs going and there's just the HIV in the room, let's say, <laughs> <laughs> you, me and HIV, um, <laughs> and nail polish, and nail polish, then there should be nothing. Yeah. Then there should be nothing to worry about. Really. Absolutely. But it's a process. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I feel in myself now that, um, you know, I, I if, if that would happen to me, I had a partner with, uh, I don't know, a disease I might also get um, to think about it more, even though if one gets all the information, if one looks for it, it's still like what we used to believe is so strongly inside of us mm -hmm. that it's really hard to convince yourself. So I think like um, the people with the coronavirus now who, who make up stories to have... Um, solution to have like an explanation for a problem um this is really difficult to go away from that because it felt so calming mm, like what story about corona like what, i don't know it coming as in i know what it is it's invented by the left wing oh yeah 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 of course it really yeah, helps to make up it. stories yeah um and and i don't want to spread more of that it's also very infected mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like any any type of stories, it creates uh, a security. Yes, because then you know. If you don't know something about it, um, that's one part. So one part is um, 
the security I have when I believe something. So like uh, HIV is a deadly disease and everybody's dying. So basically protect yourself from getting it anyways. Um, and then how do I come from this place, even though I have information about it, to not having this in, in the background of my mind, that it was actually a deathly threat. So like what we experience with the coronavirus now that in March, at least in, in Germany, like I was freaking out. So like, oh my God, what are we all going to die? And now it's like, hmm, we have measurements against that. We can't deal with that. Um, and, you know, I live in Sweden right now, so um, it's a bit different dealt with here. Um, and we will see what's the right way of doing it. But it's so hard for people if they first believe, okay, one has to do these measurements to go from there to a different place. Mm -hmm. I think this can be, be similar. But this is not a show about coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's where the art and the comedy comes in. That's, yeah. where, that's why I was doing the... Oh, partly while well, this five, it was a five minute set. I went a bit over. Yeah. Um, Did I you get to hear myself talk. special reactions? So, hmm? Did you get some special reactions you remember from that comedy set? Because you did it also um, a few other times on stage, right? Right. So the first time worked best, I would say, because it was a big crowd and then half of the crowd already knew um, that I was positive and that I was going to be making fun of it. So then people come in with, they're like, yeah, this is going to happen. And I think other times where I did it, five minute set was pretty short um, to have people, to give people that information and then have them process it, that there's like a person in front of them that's talking about HIV that doesn't perhaps look or match their image of what a person with HIV might look like um, or how they might act. And, uh, I think by the time I was bringing my jokes, there was not enough processing capacity. So it wasn't, uh, the other times it wasn't that, there was no negative reactions. I've had some people um, come over and say, oh, that was really brave. Um, I mean, but I was a complete beginner, or I am still a complete beginner at stand-up comedy. So it's a bit heavy to be beginner comedian and then talk about something so personal, Absolutely. also something that's so loaded. Yeah, and in such a short uh, time. In such a short time, yeah. Just so make I, a step joke. <laughs> exactly. Just something silly. So now my last set was about dating. So that was pretty lame comparison, mm. but it was fine. There was one uh, more question. Um, uh, actually, there are a lot more questions. Um, but when, when I invited you to be part of this podcast, um, and I said uh, it's about art and sex, uh, you said, oh, one, I'm not really an artist, which I personally doubt. Um, and, and I don't, I don't have, have as much <laughs> as I want. So do you want to comment on that? <laughs> well, it's true. <laughs> Both of which are true. <laughs> but you're the boss of your podcast, so you can invite whoever you want. Yeah, um, so I I'm not... <laughs> hmm? That's true. Yeah. Luckily, so I, I would say I'm not an artist in the sense I for the longest time I didn't think of myself as a creative person because my it's like you know when you have a family and then I felt like those roles were already taken mm. within my family. Um, even though, though now, if I look back and think about how what I was doing when I was younger, I definitely had a lot of creative aspects, a lot of imagination, and um, especially around language, um, being creative around language uh yeah and then i think some um i'm not an artist is actually uh, a sad thing to say because everyone's an artist i mean that's a bit lame you know to say but it's true 
and people create, if you think about artists creating, um, putting together, making something, for me it's making something out of nothing. You know, there's not, there's not something, now there's something. Like there's no podcast about Siri and myself, now there's a podcast. So that's a create, an act of creation. And people do it, you know, having families, having jobs, whatever, they have cool hobbies, but they like to go salmon fishing, I don't know. Yeah. And then telling myself that I'm not an artist was actually a very um, destructive thing because then I ended up, there was a lot of energy in me that couldn't find a good way out. Wow. You know, like life energy. It's just yes. like sex is Absolutely. life energy, right? Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. so there was a lot of that just um, festering in me mm-hmm. and it led to some destructive behaviors. Because art is also an outlet, like sex is an outlet, right? You can process you can get into a different stage of a state of mind you can experience yourself differently you can yes. have a connection and yeah I didn't have much of that so that was not very nice so now I tried to think of myself as an artist and it, it opens up a whole lot more how did you manage to come from I'm not an artist at all to oh yes I actually am and it's really important that I call myself <sighs> That's a good question. How did I how did I get to that point? I think the the uh, diagnosis was a big part of a lot of you know it it kicked off uh, a couple of very important processes I had to go through in terms of how I'm living my life and um, you know what wasn't working and what wasn't working is that I was trying to fill a certain or partly still am trying to fill as we all do certain. Um, frames of you know this is how you should be like you're young you're intelligent you have xyz so you should be doing this that and the other thing career and whatnot and not so much being connected to what you really want or not trusting um trusting what you really want and going for that so i lost my <laughs> i lost my plot <laughs> that's where i was going that, that so matter. um you come from um thinking yeah. you artist to um, being an artist and you said it has connection with you knowing about your diagnosis right so I think so this is it so I think because of the diagnosis right I said I've always I organized I used to organize a, a big stand-up comedy fundraiser at my old university wow and I was watching comedians on stage and I was like I want to do this I can do this but I would never in a million years have sat down to write anything I would never have gone up but I know I can you know I would I would have sort of entertain people in, in other contexts, I would, I would try to give that energy some space, but I wasn't channeling it in a productive way. So I would never have gone on stage. But I wouldn't say 20s. you weren't productive um, because you did yeah, organization. Um, this for me is like a classical shadow artist, you know, who surrounds yeah. oneself with artists. Yeah. <laughs> feel this awakening. Yeah. It's me yeah. actually who is the artist. Um, yeah. The, the Julia Cameron. Yes, exactly. That's why it I reminds me of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember that. But it's mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I'd be like around people who are more creative. But if you know, sometimes people and sometimes people still do like, oh, so do you do you write? I'm like, no. Like, what should I be writing? I don't write anything. What yeah. should I? So there's um, especially in Berlin, there's a lot more creative types around. That's and um, so after my diagnosis, like, well, you could be dead. Again, I'm saying I. I can't, I can't die, knock on wood, this is not, but you know, You're the irrational side, <laughs> I'm, I'm young, I'm, I'm immortal, um, but you know, it gave me enough of a scare, especially as I could feel prior to my diagnosis, I could really feel my health 
deteriorating. I wasn't well. I did not have any energy. Yeah. I was like a 70 year old in the body of a 24, five year old, whatever. Yes. And um, I was like, well, if I'm going to die, which again, I wasn't going to, um, what would I be doing? And I was like, I want to do stand up comedy. I want to try it. Wow. So that's why I signed up. Wow. I wouldn't have, I mean, you know, I would have pushed it up. I'm like, oh, later, like, mm-hmm. you don't have nothing to yeah. talk about. You're too young. Whatever excuse, like, you have to work. It's too far away. It's annoying. <laughs> like, any any excuse would have done. So then I was like, well, get on with it, girl. Yeah. And I signed up, and then that was it. I mean, I'm not, uh, I didn't continue, but I gave that some space, right? I was like, yes. oh, maybe I do have some ideas and some stuff I want to create. Yeah, and I think that's really interesting that we can actually come out of a, a horrible situation um, and get some presence out of it. Um, so before you just started talking about the benefits um, you received by receiving this virus in, mm-hmm. in all its horrible ways um, and not so horrible ways and treatable ways, um, there could be also something which is really benefiting you. You already touched on that you decide for like, I, I, when I do coachings, I um, sometimes raise the question, what would you do if you die on Christmas? So if one can't make a decision for mm-hmm. the most important things in, in our life. <laughs> but that, death as advisor, it sounds horrible, but it does help me a lot. Just imagining... Yeah. So I, I did that for a few years that I was in summer asking what if I die? So if I decide for a job or if I decide for now renting an atelier or less or, um, oh, there was some Swedish in it. Funny. Um, <laughs> then I think, okay, what would I do if I die Christmas? And I'm like around winter. I always ask, what would I do if I die in summer? Uh, for me, that's super helpful. Besides that, is there any more benefit you think you got from having HIV? Mm-hmm. definitely you know I'm, I'm only sort of three years into the into my life with, mm-hmm. and with being aware of uh being positive i mean i did live with the virus for um two and a half years uh mm-hmm. and i definitely there was no fu- excuse me fucking gifts in that Don't it was horrible it. I won't leave it out. um But it made me realize, again, I don't recommend that nobody gets HIV if they can avoid it. Um, But what I did uh, realize, for example, was the, my social network and the lovely people I have in my life, Mm. you know, because people are like, oh, how did your friends and your family react? Everybody was cool. Not cool, but everybody was like concerned, uh, sympathetic, encouraging, supportive, um, accepting. And it just made me think, A, I have great friends. And B, I didn't realize they were so great. <laughs> so it made, you know, that's part of it. And it also made me um, take better care of myself. And like you said, death is an advisor to say, okay, life is, I mean, we do know life is short, right? And I still make a lot of decisions that are more, you know, governed by social expectations or think you should, things you should do. Mm-hmm. Um but it helped me better take care of myself to realize how important social networks are because I tend to deal with things by myself a lot. And it also made me look, start to go to uh, therapy just for some other things that have been going on in my life before. And yeah, it just made me a lot more, makes you grow up a little bit. 
Wow. In a good way. Yeah. This is, this is wonderful. Um, we have been talking now quite some time and um, maybe you can, you can end this talk of ours with a little wish of yours. Like maybe there is something, maybe there is not, but maybe you would like something in the world to change. Could be a big thing, could be a little thing to make life maybe easier for you or just better for the world. Is there something you would like to change in the world? Hmm. Okay. I think uh, for my, I wish it for myself most foremost, but I wish it also for others or for the world is to really accept that we're human and by humans, by being humans, we fail and to be kind towards our own and others, fa others failures or mistakes and errors, which we all make and to give some room for kindness towards that to yourself and to your own mistakes. And um, yeah, especially which applies to, you know, Corona as well or any behavior you're going to do wrong. You're going to forget the mask. You're going to do something you weren't supposed to. And I think with kindness and with understanding and um, action, like kind, but firm action that could, make world a lot less driven by fear and a lot less gives a lot less room and nourishment to all the crazy stories we have around corona wow <laughs> um yeah. what a powerful message <laughs> thank you isabel i'm totally intrigued by all of you um your whole personality i'm really glad that you um are a guest in my little podcast and i hope we talk soon again Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure talking to you. You ask great questions and I really enjoyed it. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, thank cool. you. Then we see Let's hope we don't die by Christmas. <laughs> it's no, very I, soon. I think we actually don't, but it's a good idea to think about it. Um, <laughs> well, can I ask you a question? Yes, of course. Okay, what would be the thing that you would do if you were going to die by Christmas? What would you do today? Oh, today. So, um, But uh, you, you asking what I do today if I die on Christmas or if I die tomorrow? Mm -hmm. um, I probably would record this um, podcast and um, I guess I would spend a lot of time with my beloved, with my partner, because I love him to bits. Um, probably would go out in the sun. It's a beautiful sunny day and we postpone this often. And... Um, Maybe I have some calls with friends and tell them how important they are to me and why they are. Sounds like a beautiful Sunday. Yes, sounds like it. I should really do that. Thanks for your yeah. help. <laughs> You're welcome. I'll think about that too. Have a lovely day. Yeah, we see each other soon. Yes. Take care. Be safe. Bye. Bye. After recording and after asking all our old comedy friends, we finally found a little snippet of Isabel's set, her first comedy set about her diagnosis. Very bad sound quality, but very funny. Listen to that. Walked into the doctor's office and he sat down and you know it's a Schönebeck doctor, so they've seen everything. Like Schönebeck's the gay capital of <laughs> Europe, like nothing surprises them. So he's very matter of fact and he says, um, Frau Müller, so you know you've got HIV, right? 
No, I don't know. <laughs> That's why I came to find out. <laughs> um, he asked it like I was coming to confirm, just to make sure I still got it. In case I lost it on my last party night, or it left and moved to Hawaii. <laughs> oh my god, where is my virus? Tell you what, HIV is uh, like the glitter you get at a rave. Once you have it, you cannot get rid of it. Thank you, lovely humans, for listening to this episode of my podcast, Sex and Art. Make sure to check out the links in the description box and educate yourself about HIV and AIDS. If you want to support this podcast, please don't forget to like and subscribe. And I hope we hear each other soon in the next episode. Have a lovely day.